Texas Football Today is a production of Dave Campbell's Texas Football and TexasFootball.com. If you like the show, help us make it. Become a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider at TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. Besides helping us to make shows like this possible, you'll get two magazines, including our legendary summer edition and a year of access to exclusive content on TexasFootball.com. That includes stuff like premium podcasts like Tep and Step, access to all 61 years of the magazine in our digital archives, recruiting analysis, and must-see insight from the Dave Campbell's Texas Football crew. If all of that sounds good to you, we hope you'll consider becoming a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider at TexasFootball.com slash subscribe that's texasfootball.com slash subscribe and thanks for listening the texas football today podcast is brought to you by chocolate milk built by nature you can watch texas football today live weekdays at noon at texasfootball.com and on facebook and if you like the show subscribe to the podcast vendor of your choice give us a positive rating and tell a friend yes yes yo from the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Mothership here in beautiful Louisville, Texas, it is Texas Football Today, a show that's got another ring in it if you chop it in half and you cut, count the rings. My name's Greg Tepper. I'm the managing editor of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine, texasfootball.com, a corresponding website. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. Whether you're watching us live at texasfootball.com or on Facebook or listen to us on the podcast, which you can subscribe to on the podcast vendor of your choice. Either way, thank you for doing your part to support your local mediocre internet show. I am sitting here, sitting over there on her throne today, <laughs> paging Dr. Girl, Dr. Birthday Girl. <laughs> she is the Duchess of the Dorks, celebrating a birthday whose number will not be disclosed. Uh, we already disclosed it earlier, but yeah. She's the Duchess of the Dorks. <laughs> Hello. Happy birthday, Ashley. Thank you. Appreciate You're it. You're going to have a bunch of mott sticks. You're going to make a cake uh, out of mott sticks. Eat my weight in fried cheese. Yeah, I don't like sweets, so I, know. I tend to go other yeah. routes for it's, it's like normally, celebratory. Normally, I'd be like, oh, like I'll bake you a cake or something like that. But mm-hmm. it's like, what do you do for the person who's wrong all the time about sweets? <laughs> like, it's it's hard, you know? Yeah. What do you get for the person who doesn't want good things? I will say the one cake that I do like, my mom makes a poke cake. Have you ever had a poke cake before? So it's like a it's a white like a white vanilla cake, but you take P-O-K-E? After, like poke, yeah, like yeah, you poke, poke it with a stick. So yeah, what you do is after you bake it and let it cool, you take the end of a wooden spoon and you poke mm. holes in it and then you pour jello over mm. it. And the jello doesn't harden, like it doesn't get actual jelloey. It just seeps into the cake. But my favorite part about it is you put whipped cream over it, which I do like whipped cream. As I don't like frosting. So I do enjoy like and you eat it mm. cold, so I enjoy that cake. I'm looking. At, I'm looking at this. Gotta it's be really honest. good. Gotta be honest. It's pretty good. And you can put whatever. I make a poke cake. You can make whatever flavor of Jello you want. So it's like the gift that keeps on giving because you can make it different colors or different flavors. I'm seeing a strawberry poke cake. I like cherry. That was always my go-to. I can see that. Anyway, happy birthday. Thanks. <laughs> There's some cake talk. <laughs> Today is. Thursday, March 25th, 2021, 245 days till Thanksgiving, episode 1133, 1133, this is the Mitch Williams episode. On today's show, my friends, we are going to discuss a piece, it's up on texasfootball.com, about the biggest upsets in Texas high school football in 2020. 
Um, a lot to get to there, and, and maybe not the games that you think they are. Yeah. Uh, we'll get into that. In the back half of the show, it's Big Guest Thursday, booked mm-hmm. by our very own birthday girl, yeah. Ashley Pickle, and I guess we can reveal it now. Yeah. Because now you're here and we want to keep you here. I'm so excited about it. The other day... I spoke with Nathan Chapman, and you're probably thinking, "Who is I, that?" I don't, I don't know who Nathan. Can Chapman we also is. preface it with two? That was an interview into the future. It absolutely was, because Nathan Chapman is the director and head coach at Pro Kick Australia, <laughs> which is that academy in Australia that produces all of those great Australian punters. Yep. Like Dane Roy from Houston, uh, like uh, uh, Michael Dixon from Texas. Uh, they uh, Texas just signed another guy from uh, from uh, Pro Kick Australia. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I talked with Nathan Chapman, uh, and he called me mate, and uh, it was great. <laughs> and yeah, I like we legitimately had to sit because there he's in Melbourne and it's sixteen hours ahead. So we legitimately had to plan a time. You did it at what like five thirty our time on yes. Tuesday. It was. 9.30. 9.30, his time in on Wednesday. On Wednesday. So you were doing interviews into the future. I really was. I'm a time traveler. It's such a good interview, too. I'm so excited. It's a fun <laughs> interview. So stay tuned for my conversation with Pro Kick Australia's Nathan Chapman coming up here at the back half of the show. Do we first four through the door? We sure do. And you're going to think I'm making this up, but I promise <laughs> I'm not. Rob Hathaway, Goof, Trish, Tony Blaylock. They came in big for the birthday celebration. Welcome in, fellas and lady fella Trish. And and mama fella. (laughs) Mama fella. Um, (laughs) Hi, Trish. Uh, Happy birthday to you. Happy Ashley's birthday to you, too. Yeah, she's the one who should really be celebrating. You did the work. (laughs) You should get a poke cake tonight. Yep. All right. Let's get into a piece that I have on TexasFootball.com, which is about the biggest upsets in Texas high school football in 2020. Because, look. This time of year, upsets are on everybody's mind. Mm-hmm. This is what everybody wants to talk about. They want to talk about uh, the, the big upsets. They want to talk about uh, 13 seeds over fours and 15 seeds over twos mm-hmm. and things like that. People love upsets. Except when like it happens to your favorite team. That's not here. Like, for example, <laughs> one of the reasons that North Texas fans were so excited is not just because they won, mm-hmm. but also made all the more sweeter is that they were big underdogs. Yeah, exactly. They were the 13th seed. They were not supposed to beat Perdon't. I wish they, <laughs> they, but they did. Yep. And that's what makes us so exciting. So we decided to take a look at the biggest upsets in Texas high school football in 2020. And, uh, you know, we, we've had, we've talked a little bit on this show before about how chalky the 2020 season was. Mm-hmm. On on the whole, when you got to the end, if you looked back, basically it was the blue bloods. There was only one team that really shocked us, and that, that it won a title, and that was Jim Ned. Mm-hmm. That was like a surprise. Uh, Winthorpe's a little bit. Winthorpe, but only because of the of upset Mart. in the title yeah. game. You know yeah. what I mean? The fact that like Jim Ned came from like we could have said, oh, it would not shock us if Winthorpe played for a title. The fact they won the title was not necessarily what was more of the surprise. But otherwise, pretty chalky. Mm-hmm. But we decided to take a look at where the biggest upsets of the year came from. And to do this, of course, we have our computer projections on TexasFootball.com, where you can see each week uh, the computer tells you what it thinks is going to happen in every Texas high school football game each week. So 600-plus games uh, every week, they will tell you, hey, here's what we think is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Now, the computer's not perfect, obviously. And as we've just explained on, on the air, 
uh, it, it, it calibrates with every. It's an unfeeling robot. With, yeah, with an with every result, it kind of calibrates, and so if you overachieve their expectations, then it's going to expect more of you the next time, mm-hmm. and if you underachieve, they're going to expect less of you. So one thing I think is interesting is it's a lot of stuff early in the year, a lot of stuff early in the year, which I think can be counted as at least a little bit of a calibration error with one team in particular that we'll talk about. So without further ado, here were the teams that overcame the biggest margins, projected margins uh, of uh, to win their games in 2020. And it starts up at the top with the six-man game with Westbrook's win over Motley County. This was in week one, and I remember this is, they were they were 46-point underdogs, according to the computer. And I remember sitting up and paying attention to this because mm-hmm. Motley County, of course, was the uh, reigning state runner-up. Mm-hmm. They had they had Jake Richards back. They were every they were supposed to be this big time juggernaut. Westbrook had won six games in the previous two game, two mm-hmm. years combined. Like this was a, a Westbrook team that we didn't think a ton of. It turns out Motley County pretty good, yeah. but Westbrook ended up being a lot better than we thought they would. Mm-hmm. Um, Motley County was coming off a run to a title game, uh, and 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 that was to me. There's another game. In fact, if you go down, technically there were a bunch of games that were tied for tenth. Because they were thirty-one point oh, underdogs. Yeah. I wondered why you went with top nine. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> one of those because I can't fit, you know, fifteen. Fifteen teams, yeah. But one of them was uh, there's another there's another Westbrook uh, game in week two when they beat Borden County. They were thirty-one point underdogs in that one. They pulled stunners in back-to-back weeks, but they had the biggest upset of the year with their forty-six point win. From six man to six A, you find the second biggest upset, which was North Mesquite beating Mesquite Horn. Mm-hmm. And I got to be honest. I still don't understand this one. Uh, North Mesquite came out swinging. North Mesquite yep. looked fantastic in this. They jumped out to a 23-13 lead, ended up taking down Mesquite Horn. By the way, that was North Mesquite's last win of the year. Now, yeah. Mesquite Horn, I think, was not as good as we thought they were going to be. Mm-hmm. I think they, they, you know, and this was kind of the first kind of signal of that. But North Mesquite's win was a 42-point uh, upset there and the biggest 11-man upset of the year. I remember us looking at that score on the website and th- thinking like oh it's gotta be backwards yeah it's got it's gotta be messed up something something went wrong hey will you should go check on that (laughs) um reagan county beat ozona in uh in week three and that was a huge upset got a huge game from jacob gallegos they were 37 point underdogs you got a pair of games that were 35 point uh uh, uh, upsets uh norman g beating bremond that was back in week one uh bremond ended up having you know a decent year but norman g was a team uh it's they served notice to the state uh, when uh, you know they ended up finishing eleven and one, this was really the catalyst for that, and the first sign that oh, Norman G something serious when they were thirty five point underdogs and beat Bremont, and then another six man game, uh, Zephyr's win over Paint Rock. Now mm-hmm. this is, I mentioned this in the article. I think this comes with a twenty twenty asterisk, which is Paint Rock had not played the previous three weeks. Okay. And I think they had a COVID-19 outbreak, mm-hmm. and so they weren't able to play, and so they get back on the field. They were big uh, uh, big favors over Zephyr ended up, I think, coming out flat and losing. I mean, it was a 51-6 upset win. Right. So I I put a small asterisk next to that one because that feels a little bit different. I was going to say, and you've got to, like, maybe maybe this isn't right, but you got to think that that probably affects a six-man team a lot more than it affects someone. Oh, most who, Because who, even if they still have one or two guys out – 
like those could be important players. Important players, and, and, yeah. And, you don't have the roster, and two, if you're all suspended, then no one's working out, not only just, you know, what select position group. Abilene Wiley's win over Brownwood was a 34-point upset. Kearns's win over Dawson was a 34-point upset as well. Cleveland Tarkington, when they took down um, um, uh, Cold Spring Oakhurst, they were 32-point underdogs. And then finally, one more six-man game uh, with Water Valley's win over Highland. Uh, that was the uh, also 32 point underdogs. As I mentioned, there were five games that that were tenth that that tied for tenth place. There were 31 point dogs. Mm-hmm. Rio Vista season opening win over Santo. Oh, Liberty's yeah. win over Madisonville, which is still I believe Foray's biggest upset. Uh, Westbrook, and then their Borden County, their win over Borden County. Buena Vista beating Grand Falls Royalty, and then Nevada Community uh, with their shocker over Grapevine Faith Christian. That's up on TexasFootball.com. But there's one other thing that I wanted to note, and this is in the piece as well. There were, to me, four, well, not to me. I can phrase it this way. There were four double-digit playoff upsets as well. Mm-hmm. The biggest upset in the playoffs was Westlaco East's, uh, or rather San Antonio Southwest, beating Westlaco East in the area round of the 5A Division One playoffs. Uh, we had them, the computer had them, as 22-point underdogs in that game. And the Dragons ended wow. up coming out with that win over Westlaco East. Uh, Alverd and their 35 to seven, really shocking like upset over Italy mm-hmm. in two A Division one in an area round. That was a 15 point upset, especially because Italy did so well the week beforehand. Oh, absolutely. And then finally, there were two six A Division one by district games in the Houston area that were both upsets. Uh, Jersey Village, when they beat Bel Air, Houston mm-hmm. Bel Air in the first round, and then Klein Oak when they beat Cy Ranch, they were both 13-point underdogs in those games. So those are the biggest upsets in 2020 on TexasFootball.com. You can find them. Uh, let us know what you think is the biggest upset in uh, Texas high school football in 2020. Well, and it's funny, too, because I agree. Like, there is a difference, too, between what we're classifying as an upset here yeah. is literally point spread differential we're we're using a cold unfeeling robot to determine this. exactly yes. like but like some like rob hadaway brought up like obviously you look at a south lake carroll over duncanville game sure. or westlake over north shore and it's like that's those are the upsets that are going to stick in your mind probably the most but this is literally from an here, analytical standpoint oh no most certainly but here's the thing and, and he's exactly right if you take a look at westlake's win over north shore the computer had them as one-point underdogs. Mm-hmm. Like, the computer thought that was a super close game, and the computer ended up being really right. It was 24-21. Mm-hmm. Like, they were spot on. You know, the other one, what you mentioned with South Lake Carroll, mm-hmm. South Lake Carroll beating Duncanville. Uh, now, that is an upset. Duncanville yes. was a—and actually, oh, I don't know why that didn't, didn't show up on my computer. Um, but Duncanville was a 14-point favorite in that game. So that yeah. is another one of those playoff upsets that's a double-digit upset. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was a double-digit upset as well. I don't know why they didn't show up all just my uh, my piece. So those are there. The other one that I think people are going to come come yelling about is the 2A Division two title game, right? Uh, yes. Winthorst over Mart. Uh, the computer had that as a, uh, uh, again, another 14-point upset. So I need to adjust that. I don't know why that didn't show up. But uh, those were ones that I think were, uh, they were surprising. Mm-hmm. And so, I'm going to figure out why they didn't show up on my uh, Excel document, but... <laughs> I will say that those are, I think, especially once you get that deep in the playoffs, Mm -hmm. I tend to think that every team here is pretty darn good. Right. And so maybe those aren't as big of upsets. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like if, um, 
trying to think of what's going on in basketball. Like, who's Baylor playing this year, this week? In, in uh, I can't remember. Whoever they're playing. Like, if ba- Baylor's a pretty good team. They're a one seed, right? Mm-hmm. But if they were to lose in the Sweet 16, I, like, it would be an upset. I, right. I think every team that they're playing right now is pretty darn good. Yeah, like, you know the I mean? only one that you look at typically would be, like, Oral Roberts, who was a 15th right. seed coming in. Like, no matter how far they get, everyone's going to consider that an upset, no matter how much they prove themselves. But, yeah, if you've got a one going up against a three seed, yeah, yeah. clearly it's just good basketball, yes, you know? Sure. So, there you go. Those are the biggest upsets in 2020 in Texas high school football. We are Texas Football Today. We're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com, talking football in the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Dave Campbells. Follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com slash Dave Campbells. And, of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. TexasFootball.com is where you can find complete coverage of high school football, college football, and recruiting all across the Lone Star State. We hope you'll consider becoming a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider at TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. It's our subscription package. You get two magazines, including the 2021 Summer Edition of Dave Campbell's mm-hmm. Texas Football, mailed to you early. Before it hits newsstands, it will be in your mailbox before it hits newsstands. If you go to textfootball.com slash subscribe, don't run around to your local grocery store looking for the magazine. Let us mail it to you and get a bunch of awesome content as well uh, over the course of the offseason. Texasfootball.com slash subscribe. It's Big Guest Thursday, Pickle. It is. And you were responsible for booking this guest. I want to make sure that I I give credit where it's due. Thank you. the birthday girl did get us a big-time guest. Uh, earlier this week, I had the uh, unique opportunity to talk with the director of Pro Kick Australia, uh, the premier punting academy in the world that has produced, uh, I think, five Ray Guy Award winners now? Yes. Um, five Ray Guy Award winners, a number of All-Americans. Uh, if you think about, like, when you think of, like, Australian punters, mm-hmm. almost all of them come from Pro Kick Australia. Yes, and Nathan was in... He was in the NFL for a yeah. for a stint too. Yeah. He had a he had a he had a swim through the with, with the, the Green, Green Bay, Bay Packers. Packers. Uh, he was uh, he played footy there for AF for in, the, in the Australian Football League. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of other uh, he's, he's got a really cool backstory. Uh, but he started Pro Kick Australia as a punting academy, and I had a unique opportunity to chat with him uh, earlier this week. Here's my conversation with the director of Pro Kick Australia, Nathan Chapman, here on Texas Football Today. The offseason, talking to some of the most interesting football folks around, and for this one. We're going away, far away. Let's go live to Australia, where we are joined by the director of Pro Kick Australia, uh, Nathan Chapman. Coach, I really appreciate your time. Ah, Greg, I'd love to be on, mate. So we're about to head out to a session, so you got me in the car, but um, looking forward to having a chat. Yeah, absolutely. For, for folks who are maybe unfamiliar with with Pro Kick Australia, they've put a, a number. You guys have put a number uh, of outstanding punters and kickers uh, into college football here in America, and then also into the NFL. Uh, you're a guy who's, who's who's been with this from its very infancy. Can you take us through a little bit about about what this place is and and how exactly you guys are so successful in uh, in, in producing some of the world's best punters? Yeah, thanks, Greg. Um... Yeah, well, I, got, I guess the idea spawned in about uh, 2007 or eight, and then, um, you know, just sort of being around the sport itself and thought, hey, look, you know what? I've tried it myself. There's plenty of guys who, who can kick a football. Let's teach them. Let's see what um, – let's see if we can, uh, you know, help them get to college and um, let's see if we can help get a few in, into the NFL. I knew there was a fair bit of talent here, so it was just about showing them or guiding them um, – you know, 
initially into making sure they they put their best foot forward when they get to college and uh, you know don't get don't get it wrong so they uh, got a better chance to succeed so um, so here in Australia we've got plenty of guys who can kick a football we we invite them down come and have an assessment um, and if we feel like they've got that talent level and they're eligible to go to college we we put them through a 12 month plus um, sort of training program and sort of get them out the other side and present them to colleges, uh, yeah, such as Texas. Well, I mean, all the way across the country, but it uh, takes a fair bit of time, but we, we put a lot of effort into it. Yeah. You know, that's one thing I think is, is so striking that, that you guys have, have put so many guys out. There. I think that the Australian punter has become such a, a known commodity uh, now in, in, in the United States and I'm interested, you know, you, you mentioned you started this back in 2007, you're, you're yourself a footballer uh, to, to begin with as an athlete. Did you anticipate having this kind of success eventually, or is this even beyond your expectations? Well, it's really funny. When I, when I wrote the business plan out, I'd literally said, we expect to send 50 guys a year to college. And now, unbeknownst to me, that was hugely unrealistic <laughs> from a starting point, but we're sort of nearly getting there. And so we're, you know, 15 years later and we're sort of getting those numbers around the thirties, 32. So it's sort of, you know, weirdly uh, panning out, except I didn't think it was going to take 15 years because the first year, I think we sent three across and then there was two across and then three across. So it, you know, it took a little shot to the ego, but um, we stuck at it and then finally made some inroads and uh, made some more connections. And, and here we are. Uh, you guys have produced some of, some of the very best punters and Ray Guy Award winners. I think people around here probably know uh, Michael Dixon, of course, uh, the, the punter and the Ray Guy Award winner at, at Texas. Uh, you guys, uh, you know, have produced a number of outstanding ones. Uh, Lack Edwards, uh, who went to Sam Houston State, et cetera. Uh, a number of fantastic uh, punters and kickers. I'm I'm interested in in why you think Australian kickers are so successful. I mean, it, it it may be strange to say, but is there just something different about Australians that makes them so naturally uh, good punters? Well, uh, I would suggest if if you brought over 50 American high school quarterbacks and you threw the yeah you know, they threw the ball against our guys who thought they could throw a ball oh, there'd be a clear difference um again we we've got a sport over here that uses our legs and our feet um and we kick a ball and it transitions really well in into punting um so we we build on that i guess that infrastructure of the the style and the methods that we've already got we've put it into a format which makes it now you know it's more like a hybrid of the old school punting um the the rollout kicks come into the game a lot more which is what we do on a daily basis here in australia in australia, aussie rules football so it's we've just joined uh you know merged the two together and have got a really good hybrid um and there's some inherent game skills some awareness some instinct stuff that's i guess it helps our um, our players be a little bit calm behind the line of scrimmage. And if something happens, that's okay. We do deal with that on a daily basis in our game over here. So, yeah, I would like to think it gives the coaches a fair bit of confidence to know that, okay, nothing phases them. They'll make mistakes. Um, but, yeah, that's pretty part and parcel of, uh, yeah, being a punter. 
Yeah, I think that anybody who's watched footy a little bit can understand that um, uh, there there can be no panic if you're going to be successful in either sport in in footy, and so that that seems like that would translate well uh, into punting. You know, one one you guys are signed fifteen uh, punters uh, to the the highest level FBS here, and one of the guys that I know folks probably are interested in hearing about it is Isaac Pearson. Isaac Pearson signed. Uh, with the Texas Longhorns in this most recent class. I know you've got a ton of students and I know you, you probably think highly of, of all of them, but but with Isaac Pearson, can you give Longhorn fans a little bit of insight into, into what they're getting for their next punter? Well, he he came to us in the day he walked through the door was like, dude, you you look like you're from Texas. And so his initial, his initial like, uh, meeting with us was like, Hey, I, I love the Longhorns. I'm, this is, I would, I'd love to play them. I'm like, well, you look like you're a cowboy and it would suit you, but you can't go because it's, it's not going to be within your time frame. And then things just happened to work out. Uh, he had to do some, you know, some classes. He had his job that he had to finish up and the timing just worked out that, um, you know, when they needed to, uh, you know, bring him in that it worked with his timeline. So, uh, great lad, um, you know, really humble, strong, and you know, boots the ball and works also works really hard. So, yeah, you, you're certainly going to get someone who's going to put all of their effort into, you know, being a good character, um, having a good work ethic, and then expecting a fair bit from his, um, you know, from his, I guess, consistency out on a field. So, yeah, you got you got a pretty talented guy there who can kick it from A to B pretty well. Uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask about uh, the past year, which has obviously been challenging for, for everybody uh, involved with, with the, the pandemic. Um, you guys have uh, now a, a reputation of putting out outstanding uh, you know, prospects, but they haven't been able to see their college campuses. You know, There hasn't been a ton of traveling uh, to, to, to America lately. Uh, how has that changed the way that you guys have gone about uh, you know, getting your guys noticed and getting you guys in, into the next level? Well, we've probably have to, we have to deal with that. We've dealt with that since day one. We're on the other side of the world. So going for a visit or meeting a coach has been, um, it's always difficult. Um, and some coaches accept that and can make a judgment call on film and uh, information we provide. And some coaches are like, I ain't touching anybody that I can't see live. And so what, what COVID has done is actually, taught them to look outside the box because they've had to, they haven't been able to do any visits anywhere. And really it's, it's worked into them understanding that they've still got to make a judgment call. If the kids in Florida or Illinois wouldn't matter, they've got to, they've got to look at film and make an evaluation and make a call. So um, in some sort of ways, it's helped us talk to some more coaches because they've had less to do and they're not on the road recruiting and you can't get a hold of them. Uh, so we've, yeah, we've sort of just, um, I say adapted to that, but we've, we've done what we would normally do. We've tried to do it a little bit better every, every year. And, uh, and this year's, although it's been, uh, interesting in, in what we can do from a training point of view and small groups. And, you know, we had times where we couldn't travel more than three miles from our house. And so, you know, it made some challenges, but here we are, we still put, you know, 15 or 16 across in the middle of the pandemic at the college. Some of them played, some of them didn't, <laughs> some of them are playing now. Um, so quite the year. Um, 
but yeah, we're back to full training now and we're, we're pushing pretty, um, pushing ahead pretty strong with a, a pretty big group coming through. We're probably trained. I think we've got 65 trainers at the moment and, uh, really looking to, you know, bust down some more doors because there's a, um, there's some quite talented guys coming through. Uh, and, and I know you've got to get to training. I won't keep you too much longer, but I, I do want to ask about the, the, the culture change. Cause, cause you know, another thing about this is I, I know you guys are, are fans of the NFL over there. You, you watch that, but college football is a very kind of uniquely American phenomenon. Uh, you know, the, the idea of playing football for, for your, your university. Um, I'm interested in how much training goes into understanding exactly what college football is and, and understanding not only the, the sport, but also kind of all the strangeness that I think from the outside, you know, it's a soup that we swim in, but from the outside, it must be, there must be so many different things that, that, that you have to learn in order to, to understand American college football. Yeah. Well, in the, in the, you know, 12 or 14 months of our training program, we talk, we try and mimic everything that college can provide. Um, we can't mimic the crowds and we can't mimic six foot seven, 350 pound linemen. But, uh, you know, the, the film, um, the guys that have gone across previously connecting with new guys in the program, giving them uh, information, we, we uh, give them a chance to talk to all of the guys that have gone over there. What's it like? What did you need to take when you first set up your, your dorm? Um, you know, how much money am I going to spend? Uh, what's it like? in a big, you know, doing your first road trip. What's it like? So we've got access to all of the information and we consistently grind that into the players over the course of the 12 months. Um, Johnny Smith and I, who, you know, we work together and um, I guess all of our coaches uh, across the country work, work at giving the players a lot of examples about what happens. We watch a lot of film and we role play. We yell, we scream. We tell them off just like college coaches are going to tell them off. We make them do push-ups, log rolls, you name it. We do anything we hear that's getting done over there. We do it here. So they're, they're learning it, um, but there's nothing like being in there yourself and then going, ah, oh, right. That's what he meant. I get it. Thanks. It all makes sense now. So I, I keep, I have this little analogy that I watch, uh, you know, the shows about ice road truckers and, you know, below zero and living in the Antarctic and how cold it is. And they say it's minus 20 and minus 30. And I go, oh, that's got to be cold. But, and I, I, I've been outside when it's cold, but I haven't been outside when it's minus 20. And although I can imagine what it's like, I can't imagine what it's like. And so it's the same thing. I watch the shows, but it's not until I stood foot out inside it that um, you get a real punch in the teeth and go, yeah, okay, oh, I get it now. This is what they're talking about. Well, Coach, I got to tell you, if, you ever, if you're ever looking for a place to stay here in, in, in the United States, Texas is probably, as far as avoiding that kind of cold, we're brethren there. You can, you can well, rest assured well, that we won't give you that kind of stuff. I know we get, the, we get the international weather forecast. You guys have been just, your snow's just melted. What the, what the heck's going I, on there? I look, we can't explain it. We won't try to explain it. It was, it was, but we all, we all got a dusting of snow and suddenly we were all paralyzed. It was, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was a little bizarre. Uh, he's Nathan Chapman. Uh, he is the director of Pro Kick Australia. 
Coach, really appreciate your time. Congratulations again on all your success, uh, and go get to training. Hold up, baby. <laughs> Nathan Chapman, the director of Pro Kick Australia, talked with him earlier this week. Um, very so cool. Fun guy. Fun yeah. Guy. F- uh, super, super unique situation there, and and yeah, they've put out a ton of really good kickers, and obviously, like they've got a new one coming here mm-hmm. uh, with uh, the Texas signed. Uh, they put fifteen into signed FBS, fifteen or sixteen. They signed FBS uh, kids this this year in twenty twenty one. Michael Dixon, of course, mm-hmm. uh, was the the Ray Guy Award winner. Um, uh, but, 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 but there's that Lack Edwards, the the mm-hmm. Sam Houston State kicker or punter rather. Uh, and then Dane Roy at Houston, like they've they've had their their they've been had a uniquely t- Texas tie as well, and it's just uh, it's really cool like how they've transformed. It's like all right, like we we all grow up playing footy, mm-hmm. which if you've never watched footy, there's a lot of punting going on in that basically, right. and it's like well, how can we turn these into you know these guys who have grown up and done this since they were four years old, mm-hmm. you know in the same way that like. American kids go out there and play baseball, play t-ball. Yeah, and then like, you get into the select baseball leagues, mm-hmm. and that's when you really start, you know. Yeah, and 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 how can we take those that that type of talent and turn it into uh, uh, get these kids scholarships and and get them, some of them into the NFL? So I loved too when you asked about how COVID was affecting them, and it really is an interesting point. And when you think about it, it makes sense that he's exactly right. It's done nothing but almost you don't want to say benefit no. but you know it's like it hasn't been really the worst case scenario no. it hasn't made things worse they're, by any stretch you know they do most of their recruiting and recruitment and how, how do i want to you know uh they're not going on site no. visits most of the yeah, time yeah they're not it's, going they're not going to campus visits most of the time and mm-hmm. then and, and also like the university of utah is probably not flying to australia to see a kid no like they're used you know they're used to using other resources using digital resources enabled to in, in order to get kids noticed uh mm-hmm. you know through other means and so yeah the fact that they haven't been able to travel is you know not great, but like mm-hmm. also not a deal breaker. I think the biggest thing is it just opens up coaches' minds to maybe mm-hmm. in the future, if there was someone who it was like you were saying, you have to come, you have to come check it out. We have to be able to see you. Maybe they're a little bit more relaxed yeah. from the old school way of doing things. Absolutely. Now. Anyway, Nathan Chapman, the director of Pro Kick Australia, we appreciate his time earlier this week. And now we go over to the birthday girl, the Duchess of the Dorks, Ashley Pickle for America's second favorite segment. Final thoughts. Um, one thing which I remembered after I saw the comment, but Andrew Christensen, happy birthday. We oh share my a God. birthday and then birthday uh, you and his dad share a birthday. So right. that's there weird, but happy birthday, Andrew. Um, the other thing real fast, Meese was in the comments and he tuned in late, but I guess when you tune in a little bit late, it like will briefly show like something that happened earlier in the mm-hmm. show and then it refreshes. Mm-hmm. He said, I love how when you tune in briefly, it plays something from earlier, and then it cuts to the live video. I tuned in to, do I approve this gum with no context whatsoever? <laughs> do, do you need context? No, I think you know, don't worry about, about it. Don't stuff. worry about it. It's exactly what, what you, you think, think it is. <laughs> it's going to do it. Happy birthday, Ashley. Thank you, and thank you to everyone in the comments. I didn't respond individually, but really appreciate it, guys. It's going to do it for us. Thanks for spending a little bit of your day with us. Follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Dave Campbell's. Follow us on Instagram, instagram.com slash Dave Campbell's, and of course, see us at texasfootball.com. Thanks again to Nathan Chapman of Pro Kick Australia for being our guest. For Ashley Pickle, I'm Greg Tepper. Vince Young, please meet your Player of the Year trophy. We'll see you tomorrow for Mailbag Friday, presented by North Texas Honda Dealers. We're on Texas Football today. 